All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the No Really Everything's Fine podcast, the proposal management podcast by proposal managers for proposal managers. Today, we are so excited to be bringing to you a special episode about how to be a great support person, a second in command for your supervisor in a large proposal department. Before we kick off, I would like to tell you where we're recording from today for Liz, who is our guest. Um, she has told us that we are recording from the liminal space where you are almost asleep and it's right before you hear your pet making vomiting noises. So you can know it's about to happen, but you're not sure you're not sure you can get up in time, which sounds like a absolutely horrible space and time to be broadcasting from. So that's just keep that in your mind today as we go through our activity. Um, We'll take care of some introductions here and then we'll dive into our topic. My name is Catherine. I am the Chief Ingredients Officer at Proposal Industry Experts, which is a almost thousand person community where we're talking, yeah, thank you, Nora. Yep, uh, where we're talking about proposal management on the daily over at proposalindustryexperts.com. Uh, it's a growing and expanding community. We're so excited to uh, have recently put on our first conference. So that's a little bit about me. I'll pitch it over to Nora. All right, I am currently a senior RFP at the, uh, I believe, 19th largest global employer working on proposals in their healthcare vertical. Hello, everyone. My name is Nicole, the RFP Queen Robinson. I am the founder of the Proposal Managers Planner, an organizational tool uh, for proposal managers. Helps you capture your metrics and keep your day and life completely organized as you John Wick those proposals. Um, I'm a 16 year, going on to 17 year proposal management professional, and my current industry is cybersecurity. Liz! All right, and our special guest today, Liz Kepner, tell us about yourself, Liz. Hello, hello. Um, so my name is Liz Kepner. I am a senior proposal manager and deputy to the proposal director at Definitive Logic, soon to be part of Mantech. Uh, I am focused in proposals in the services industry, uh, focused on computer stuff that I don't necessarily always understand because I have a degree in English and that's fine. Um, but I've also worked on proposals in various areas such as cybersecurity. Uh, and combat vehicles. So I have a pretty wide range of experience when it comes to proposal subject matter. Yeah, the combined years of experience in the room with us right now is pretty, if we were gonna do that proposal metric where they're like a hundred years of combined experience, we'd, probably, we'd have a pretty formidable group. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Liz, so we're here to talk about, um, you've made some career shifts recently that have really, um, a lot of what you've said recently in some of our conversations has resonated with me about how you have advanced professionally and how you have kind of started to um, take on these, these, these leadership roles that are a little bit more advanced. One thing that really caught my ear and what I think we're going to dive into in a little bit more detail now is how to be a really good right-hand person for your supervisor. Because as we kind of talked about in the green room, I have made bad mistakes in the past and ended up on the wrong side of my supervisor and I was never able to recover. And I did not always do a good job of being a secondary person. And that's the way that we get that we move up that career ladder, right? Is by being able to get to that first step and then, okay, now I'm managing a department or I'm doing whatever. So whether it's a team lead or an assistant manager of some kind, a lot of us start there in, in our pursuit of, you know, a higher title. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, about kind of where you started or what you feel comfortable about sharing with your journey here. And then we'll just, we'll kind of dive into some interesting topics as we go. 
Sure. So um, just to kind of set the stage a little bit, as a proposal manager, I view myself as being in charge of the care and feeding of the proposal team. And that may be just for the proposal effort that we are working on at the time, but I also view it as being a champion of my actual proposal team, the people who are out there managing and coordinating and editing and formatting and doing all of the things that happen to get a proposal across the finish line. So while I'm trying to take care of my proposal teams, I'm also trying to make sure that our proposal team, the ones who are doing the same things I'm doing, but possibly on a different team, are taken care of. And I learned that from my current boss. Um, back in March, I left a very large company where I was one of about 60 or 70 folks in our proposal center of excellence. I felt like wow. I was just very, yeah, I was, I was a very, very small fish in a very big pond. And it was, it was great for a bit, but as time went on, I realized I wanted to have more of an impact on those around me. And I was very, very siloed within my proposal efforts. I wasn't getting a lot of interaction with my fellow proposal managers. So I wanted to go somewhere where I could have a little bit more of an impact, um, maybe help develop and implement some best practices, share the things I've learned over my years of proposal management, and help another proposal department to up their game, I guess. So I came to my current company at the end of April, and a month, well, let me back up. On my second day of work, uh, my boss, who was one of the reasons why I decided to join the company, I was just so impressed with him. I mean, what a dynamic, inspiring, knowledgeable individual he came across as in the interview process. So I was really looking forward to working under him and seeing what I could learn from him. On my second day at the company, he had a medical event um, that unfortunately kind of just rattled the whole team. And as the new kid, I was, I didn't know what was up. I hadn't established a relationship with him yet. Um, I was still figuring out which way was up and drinking from the fire hose of everything that they do differently at my company. Well, um, he, he took care of his health stuff, but there were some things that happened. And a month into my time at the company, I was asked to step into his role so he could focus on his health. And when asked to serve, you serve. You know, you don't say, oh, no, I can't do that. This was something that I had wanted in my career, somewhere I want to get to. I just didn't expect it to happen like this. So things were a little bit rocky there. I jumped into it. I was just trying to keep the ship afloat. And um, understandably, our relationship did not get off to a great start. Uh, we didn't have a clear delineation of responsibilities. I didn't have a clear understanding of all of the things that he did because he did so much more than people, I think, realized he did. And some of that was self-imposed. And some of that was him just being really good at his job. 
So we kind of limped our way through the next month or so, month or two, um, and allowed him to focus on his health and get to a healthier place. And he was restored to where he belongs. <laughs> uh, the crown was, it was given back to him. Um, I just kind of kept it on a pillow and tried to keep it, keep it safe while, while he was focusing on himself. And he came back into his role and I was officially named as his deputy. So yes, I definitely Googled what does a deputy do? Because as far as I know, a deputy should be able to do all of the things the director does. Not possibly quite as well. I definitely do not have the depth of knowledge that my boss has in the actual inner workings of our company and still learning that it's still only, wow, today is exactly four months that I've been with the company. That's it, four months. And I feel like I've been there forever. So yeah, I'm his deputy and we're figuring it out. But in the last month, something has shifted. And there is a level of trust that we are building there is a level of support that is unlike any i have seen and prior proposal shops that i have worked at which is not to say it didn't exist in prior proposal shops but this is a man who will throw himself on the grenade for his team and that is something to be respected and treasured because you don't find you don't find people that'll take that blast for their people all the time. Most a lot of people look out for themselves and what the upper management is going to say and pass that buck. So that was a very long-winded intro into where I'm at with things right now. So I'll stop talking and let you. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm curious, I'm curious because Nicole, you've talked a lot about how servant leadership works, even at our conference, like you had that really incredible talk that was extraordinarily well attended. Um, and I'm curious, like if you've got if you've got any thoughts about how your approach to leadership lines up with Liz, what Liz describes here. I also like to find out a little bit more from Liz, like where you're where you had challenges and where you had success. But let's find out from Nicole, um, you know, what your initial impressions on that are based on your experience and your ex like your deep expertise in that space. I was super excited to have this conversation um, and really not because I, like I'm really passionate about servant leadership and leading from behind and what that looks like. And already I'm like, I, I, like knowing that he is that type of person who is self-sacrificing for his team. I'm, I'm, I'm already like team Liz's boss. Um, <laughs> like, absolutely. I feel like that's almost like it go almost goes without saying. Um, but I had some really excellent advice given to me years ago and it was such a simple statement, but it was literally nobody teaches you this stuff when you're heading into the corporate world. And when I was starting my career, someone said to me, um, make, try to make your boss's life a little bit easier, help your boss succeed. And I was like, well, I mean, doesn't that go without saying? But no, really, it, it, it doesn't. Most people are going in to, you know, gainful employment, to exchange their expertise, whatever it is, their value, 
that they bring to the table for money. They're not necessarily thinking about the intricacies or the political inner workings of an organization. And a lot of the times we're, we're very much like uh, the organization this and the organization that, but organizations are made of people. If people, they're, it's just an entity and it exists only really on paper. What makes an organization an organization is all the people that are there. So being able to come into a space and one, trying to show up as, as yourself as, as much as humanly possible, showing up as yourself, um, to recognizing that you your success directly impacts your boss's success and how your boss is, is, is viewed at higher levels of the organization. And three, accepting you're not always going to respect the man, but you can always respect the office. Always. And I use man in terms of human being, right? You can't, there, I'm sorry, there's just going to be times when you're like, I was going to say something absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but <laughs> this podcast is ridiculous, Nicole. Really? Like, if you're on fire, I'm not throwing anything on you. Like, burn, right? Yeah. Like, it yeah. might be. Yep. Sometimes it's like that. Let's we have to be as real about these things as possible. It's not always going to be Papa Smurf and the rest of the village like looking up to his position and revering it. I just aged myself. I know that. Um, but it's not always going to be like that. We don't always have Gandalf. We won't always have you know Moraine. We, we're not going to always have these people, right? It's not always going to translate that. All the nerds just got super happy. Um, but. So you got to respect the office. You, you may not always respect the person in the office, but you can always respect the office. If you can kind of get that fundamental like bar down and just use that as a launching point, focus on what you got to do. Here are, there are exceptions. There are exceptions to everything. Any circumstance in which you're being asked to operate without integrity where you, you, you are losing your dignity and or your situation is toxic and it is now impacting your mental health and your physical health, get the heck out. Run. Quick. Get out. We cannot be, I feel like we're in a societal stage and age where people are so concerned about what it looks like and it might look like I, I maybe it looks like I failed or, um, you know, like, the the impression is bad or whatever that you left. You, no, self-preservation is key. You will always need to love yourself more than you love any job that you or any person that you work for or with self, right? But you don't enter into it, into your organization only thinking about yourself. You can't. It's, it's a living, breathing organism that is made up of uh, of beings that all dependent who depend upon each other. And so sometimes I would say to people in my office, if you can't show up for yourself because it hurts that but that much, sometimes the thing that hurts is personal. And so it makes the professional hard. And like, we got to really also acknowledge that. If it's hard to show up because the personal thing is hard, show up because someone needs you. Someone in that building, in that office, in that organization, they need you. They're relying on you. If you do it for them, it actually makes the whole process easier to compartmentalize um and then the last thing i would say is when if you're in a position to be in a good relationship with your management right at all levels 
find a problem and solve it. Find a problem and solve it. If you can irritate or frustrate what's frustrating them, that will level you up without even, sometimes it's not even, that's actually a good way to get out of disagreement. If, if you guys have been struggling to like find common ground, if you can frustrate something that's frustrating them, that will actually elevate your whole status in that person's eyes. Or at least it's a great place to start. You know, Nicole, I'm really glad that you ended on that note because I know Nora is, Nora, I, I can probably say like five or six instances of you personally doing that, of finding the problem, tackling it, and then helping build that rapport with your colleagues. I would say that in fact, that's probably a strength that, that you um, really bring to the table. Um, Liz is saying, oh, I want to piggyback off like eight things Nicole said. Um, so, okay. So Nora, why did, so we'll go with like this. Nora, can you tell us a little bit about how you feel like solving that problem has helped you also be a better team member? And then Liz, we'll kind of circle back to you and get some additional tips and like what steps do you think make sense for us to try to try to take on ourselves if we're looking to move ahead in our department. But yeah, Nora, tell us a little bit about your own, your own experience in this week. I know you're just so good at it. So I can't wait Thank to hear you. Um, well, you know, I, in my pre-proposal career, right? Um, I started out, I was young. I was in a nonprofit. I just, I was like shiny eyed. I was like, we're going to make such a difference. And um, then I got into nonprofit work and realized that, you know, when you're a nonprofit, you pick up so many skills because you wear so many hats, right? And so, you know, I was young. I was fresh out of college and I saw a lot of stuff that was wrong, but that's all I saw, right? I could point it out, but I think at that point in my career, I didn't have enough under my belt to bring solutions, right? I hadn't worked around enough people. And so a really good piece of advice I got was, you know, you can point out problems, right? But you also have to come with solutions. You can't just say there's a problem. You can say, hey, there's a problem and I don't know how to solve it. I need some help, right? Um, because then we run the risk of just kind of becoming stuck in complaining, right? And, and who wants to work with the person who constantly complains? You know, I, I don't either. <laughs> I've been that person and I didn't want to work with me either, right? <laughs> During that time in my life. So, um, you know, as I've grown in my proposal career, I've seen how other very smart people do things. And I've been able to kind of, for me, I'm very much a process nerd. Um, I have no ego. If your thing works better than my thing, I want to do your thing. Please let me take apart your process and make it work for me. Thank you. So um, I can give you an example at my current company, Right now, you know, uh, we're working to improve the department and do some things. And one thing that I saw was, you know, um, there was a little bit of a disconnect sometimes between our sales team, between our, you know, proposals team. And um, so we would like, we started sending out a survey. Uh, they weren't really taking my survey all the time. And I still wanted that knowledge. So I started implementing on my own lessons learned reviews. Other people may know them as white hat reviews. Um, it's part of the Shipley methodology. Cause I want to say what went great? How can I improve? You know, how, how do we, are, if we're an eight, how do we get to a 10, right? If we were a four, what went wrong and how do we make sure that didn't happen again? So this is something I'm actually rolling out as, as part of something to help bolster up our new director who is amazing. Um, but our new director's only been here a couple of months. I, I don't think she's hit four months yet, right? So uh, with a lot of things to tack, she heard I was doing this and said, do you want to be the champion? I said, sure, 
I'm happy to do that. So now we've actually turned this into a pilot program that we're going to be rolling out. And so that's one way that I, you know, she's been able to kind of give that to me. I've taken it, I've run with it. Uh, a couple of my other fellow RFP strategists are doing the same thing where um, they had some complaints about some things that, you know, weren't necessarily working the, the best. Uh, they had some ideas about how to approve it and they're running with it, right? So we really are coming up with solid solutions. And I think that's the best way, and Liz, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the best way that you can be a support to the person above you is to give them solutions to things. And I mean, that's how I see yeah. it. I, I absolutely agree with that. And part of those solutions is, and I said this to my boss when we were still trying to figure out what our dynamic was, I said, I want to make your life easier. God bless this man. He takes so much on himself. Like I said, he will throw himself on the grenade, but he will give and give and give without making sure that his cup is full first. And I am constantly reminding him to delegate or saying, what can I take off of your plate? What can I do to make your day easier? What can we you know, push to somebody else so that you can focus on the big picture, the strategic goals, that, that type of thing. And it's working. We're still figuring it out, but he's not staying up till 3 a.m. doing white glove reviews before submissions. Yeah, knock on wood. We're in the middle of our busy season right now, so you never know. It might happen. But I view my role as what can I take off of his plate? What can I champion so that he is able to focus on the stuff that, not that really matters because it all matters. I think we know when you're in proposals, like it all matters. But he shouldn't, at a director level, he, while he completely has the capability to edit, format, do all those things in a proposal, he shouldn't have to do that unless absolutely necessary. And his willingness to do that, I think, speaks to his leadership, but it also speaks to the need to be improve on the delegation. And I would say this to his face, Willis, I love you, man. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's that kind of thing. And I think it has to, I'm going to circle back to another thing that Nicole said, about showing up as yourself. So that first week after they asked me to step into his role, I tried to do it the way that he does. And um, he and I are very, very different. He is a poised, well-spoken, um, extremely knowledgeable in details, has a memory like, I cannot even, like, how he remembers all of these minute details about past proposals they've done. And I am just, I'm a, I'm a big mouth, memes, gifts, you know, I'm just a 14-year-old boy in a 40-something-year-old woman's life. And so after a couple of days of trying to be Willis, I gave up. I was like, this is not working. I cannot be him and I need to stop trying to be him. I need to be the type of leader that I know that I am and not replace him because I can't and I don't want to. 
So once I was able to shift that, that helped. And I think after we had a really vulnerable conversation with each other, where we said, listen, this is hard for you. Like, I cannot even begin to imagine what a blow to his professional sense of ego, um, to his professional relationships with some of these people he had been working with for years, who were not just colleagues, but friends, telling him, you need to step back for your own sake. I cannot imagine what that emotional process must have been like for him. So we just had a really straight up, listen, this is hard for you, but this is hard for me too. Let's acknowledge and respect how hard it is for each other. And let's try to align ourselves so that we are facing in the same direction to get the, get the work done. And from there, things started to shift. And now we really feel like we are on the same team. And we are able to have conversations with each other that the other one understands. And we know that it's not going to get shared elsewhere. Um, I had a really tough week last week with a really difficult proposal. Some things just, you know, as they tend to do, uh, just don't go right. And he just let me vent. Boy, did I vent. Oh, there may have been wine involved in that venting but um he let me just vent about it and i felt so supported and uplifted and then a couple of days later he did he called and needed to vent to me i was like i'm able to support him this is great i feel so good about myself that he trusts me and is able to know that i'm like a safe person because I think possibly before he didn't want to put that on other people. He didn't want to burden them with that where it's not a burden. Sharing that part of yourself and that authenticity and that honesty is not a burden to other people. It is, it's part of that relationship. I think a key to that is that you don't expect other people to fix it for you. And when you're responding to it, just like with a partner or in a friendship, just acknowledging the ways that the person feels and where they're at and saying, man, that really sucks. I get that you are in a crap situation. But not saying, did you try this? Well, if I were you, I would do X, Y, Z. Knowing that you were just there to support. And if they want advice, They'll ask for advice. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a really, I think this is a really special conversation because, um, as you know, I think in this room, probably all of us started off like Nora with the, I started off with very low emotional intelligence in my career. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very technically proficient. The political stuff and like the relationship stuff was very, very hard for me. And in fact, I mean, I've been doing this for, you know, more than 15 years now. And I would say only now do I feel like I'm really starting to get a, a solid grasp on some of those relationship elements. Um, and, I, and I just think, I think this is a, this is a really valuable conversation. What I'm taking away from this today, 
Um, I've, I've heard all of us kind of say, we don't want to wait to be assigned work by our supervisor in order for us to step up and help support them. And in my own, in my own day job right now, um, that's kind of how it's going as well. Like my supervisor has some specialized tasks that she needs taken care of. And I'm like, Hey, let me just take care of that. Cause you're a director. You don't, you know, like, don't do that. <laughs> I'll do it. I'm the person who, who's, who's under you. Right. Um, so number one, don't wait to be assigned to the work. Number two, um, that like measured vulnerability makes sense here. Like we want to acknowledge everybody's experiences. We want to say like, you don't have to dump trauma dump on anybody. But I think there is something to being like fully authentic and vulnerable about the experiences that you're going through. I heard that as well. Uh, number three, and what I really loved about what Nora said was lose the ego, right? Like we're all battling the process. And what Nicole, Nicole, you also said that like we're, we're battling, we're finding the problem and we're fixing it together. We're not going to battle each other. Um, because that's that's where that you know deputy and and uh, marshal what right deputy and marshal uh, relationship breaks down I don't know we're, we'll call it that um, and then finally Liz's point about showing up as yourself I, what what really stuck out for me was that you tried to show up as is it Willis you tried to show up as Willis but you're not you're clearly not Willis <laughs> Willis and I side by side maybe someday you will Catherine Willis and I could not be more opposite. I know, this, I know that podcasts are not visual mediums, but just visually, we are completely opposite. Personality-wise, I wouldn't say we're opposite, but he is much more reserved. He's not nearly as gregarious and kind of um, irreverent as I can be at times. Like, he he knows how to keep his, his professionality about him, whereas I'm one of those people that, I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and go, oh, my God, did I actually say that in front of the CEO? <laughs> uh, like, literally. Every, I, I, Liz, have you ever laid in bed and something from third grade popped in your brain? You're like, why did I say that when I was nine years old? I wish I didn't. Every, yeah, this is a regular occurrence. I am right there with you. Wow. Oh, I love that. I am the exact same way. When we, when, when the pandemic was like, you know, coming to an end and we social interactions started again, I remember coming back from like a, an event for work and laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, like, oh my God, did I, what did I just, what did I say? How did that come out of my mouth? Like, just like, just like ruminating, letting I was just like, oh my, Nicole, you you've got to do better. <laughs> you, just... you, you know, I think that's I think that's what's special about this podcast too, is that we we have we are professionals, we've been doing this for a long time. There are people with like deputy director titles in this room right now. Um, and we are all still hot messes. So I hope that anybody who's just joining into this industry understands it. that we are we are all doing the best that we can. Sometimes it's super difficult. This is us being ourselves and being vulnerable. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Authenticity. Yes. Liz, I'm curious to know if you think that your oppositeness plays into your ability to balance each other. Because oh, I've, I will say the, the people that I've struggled the most with, sometimes I've had the most in common with personality-wise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, because I think everyone who does proposals is a little type A right? You kind of have to be. Um, and so you like things done how you like them. And sometimes other people like things done how they like them. And that can cause a little bit of a conflict. But yeah, I find that I tend to get along the best sometimes with people I have the least in common with, which is very interesting. Well, and I, I liken this to my, to my husband, actually, because 
when people meet him, they think he's very shy. They think he's very quiet and clearly not like that. But where I am impulsive, he is thoughtful. Where I am outgoing, he is observant. And he he fills in my gaps. One of my favorite movies is Rocky. Well, um, I love the I love the whole Rocky series. I don't know why. I don't know, but there's there's a scene where Rocky's talking to somebody and he's like, "She fills gaps." You know, we're not perfect, but we, they they fill gaps. And I just keep thinking of that, like he fills my gaps. That's what we're gonna call the episode. Filling gaps. Filling gaps. Yep. We get kicked off the podcast network for that. They'll be like, "What is this about?" Filling gaps. We clearly aren't mindful of copyrights here anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. Filling gaps. Oh, God. Can I also add one more quick point? Or just actually, it's a question. How much do you think your ability to relinquish control helps in your ability to show up at, for, as a, a really strong deputy for your manager? Like, your, your ability to say, like, okay, uh, exactly like to Nora's point, like I like what I like, you like what you like. We, this could just keep going back and forth or one of us is going to have to give in order for this to like, and your ability to be able to give and relinquish control, how much of that is, you know, what uh, uh, what helps in this circumstance? Well, and I, th I think when it comes to proposals, obviously in proposals, it's all about the end result. Yes. It's not necessarily about how you get from point A to point D, but that you get to point D and that you have that compliant, compelling RFP response to submit that's going to win you the bid. Mm -hmm. Having somebody and working with somebody who trusts you, that you know what to do to get to point D and isn't going to micromanage points A, B, C, and then D, that trust and that understanding of knowing what you need to do to get there is absolutely essential. He knows that I know how to manage a proposal, so he lets me manage my proposal. And it doesn't look the same as his proposal management style, but right. we, both, we both get to, to point D. Yeah, point D. Why did I say point D? I could have just gone A to B. Eventually you get to D. I mean, you got to go to know what? You get there. <laughs> You're both contributing to the win rate, so there you and go. That's, that's what it comes down to. So it's that trust and it's that understanding that the people around you know what the heck they're doing. Mm -hmm. And let, letting them do their thing, warts and all. And you had a rapid a rapid timeline for developing that trust. I think you're in a very special situation because of that. You had yeah. to go fast. Four months, four months, I think, is probably not the norm. It's only been four months. I feel like I have been at this company for years at this point. And now we're getting bought out by another company. So I'm, I joined this company with the goal of make, having an impact, making an impact, having a hand in processes. And now we're going back to one of the big dogs, which is where I just came from. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's been quite the year. It has been a year. Good thing you already know how to operate in that in that big pond, though. I do. Now you I have just, perspectives. Yeah. I just want to know one thing. What do you do? You get a badge? Does it have like stars on it? 
The deputy badge? Yeah. Do you get like an actual Would deputy you? badge? Because I'll tell you what, if I'm a deputy, I want a badge. I'm going to suggest this. You I'm know, there's stickers. This. I, want, I want a fancy little badge because we're talking about getting t-shirts for our team. So, uh, Yours needs like to have a deputy Yeah, I need to have a little deputy badge on it. Great, great point. Well, Liz, it, this has been an absolute delight to have you today. I have personally learned a lot about how to about how to be a supportive teammate just in general, but the, really how to progress my career um, through that next step. And I hope that everybody else here joining us has as well. Liz, do you have anything that you'd like to pitch for us today? Any place where we can find you or, or what, what you're up to outside of outside of work? Well, after some not so great experiences with LiveJournal in the early aughts, we won't talk about that. Um, I, I don't do a ton when it comes to uh, social media. You know, I, I keep my stuff pretty locked down. So you can find me professionally on LinkedIn, Elizabeth Kepner. Um, I, I'm, there's not a lot of people with the same name as me. So you'll find me somewhere on there. But other than that, I, I keep my stuff locked down. <laughs> well, I was, and I was going to say, you just spoke at the Pi, the Pi RF Win Conference. Oh, yeah, if, you, if folks want to, if, if folks yeah. want to grab your, yeah, if folks want to grab your recording, they can go to proposalinspirexperts.com, get that for fifty dollars. Um, those recordings, like, I'm just going to pitch this shamelessly. Those recordings are good for a year. Um, fifty dollars gets you access to more than twenty hours of content. Twenty eight speakers. We had just a. a, a an amazing conference with speakers like Liz, Nicole, and Nora. We were all we were all there. Um, so come see your favorites. Uh, come get some really solid professional education that actually helps you move the needle in your everyday life um, from from some of our top experts. And don't miss out. Liz is part of our uh, Baker's Dozen and um, absolutely is helping to drive the industry. All right, um, we will check in again soon. It was great seeing everybody again from that liminal space before your cat vomits in the corner. Uh, this is no really everything's fine. Be safe, not sorry. We'll see you next time.